Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the World Cup in Qatar is underway. Who will be crowned the kings of the soccer world? We are through the first quarter of the NBA season. Who has impressed and who has not? The shuffling of college football coaches has begun. The college football playoff picture becomes clearer. Recapping last week's college football games and previewing this week's conference championship games. With that, I give you our Chief Fire Fire Brigade, Rob Cal. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Thursday night, live in Matt's basement, live in the studio. We appreciate you uh, listening in. And like Colton said, we're going to get started with uh, some soccer news. World Cup, a little over half the field is set um, for the knockout round. Um, USA made it out of their group play, which was good barely um not because they we played all that great i think everybody else just played that terrible Mm -hmm. but uh you know we did make it and that you know you got to get on you got to get to the next round so that's all that matters anything can happen from there so and we drew the netherlands in the first round so um when i was looking at uh some of this stuff they are only giving the usa a one percent chance of winning the whole thing Mm -hmm. um but netherlands is only getting five percent so right it's not uh i mean we haven't fared well against uh european teams but maybe maybe this will be our maybe this will be our year yeah yeah it'll be be pretty interesting um yeah i'll just run pretty quickly here through the uh kind of the group standings as they as they stand right now um we still have one more day tomorrow that uh we'll, play, you know yeah. group play that will you know affect some of the standings but you know as as they stand now so in, in group a the, the the two teams that are going to be making it out of there are the uh the netherlands that uh they they were the leaders there like dad said and then uh senegal is the, the team in second that will be me making it out of group group a um the host the host country Qatar didn't win single match didn't get yeah. a single point that's um, rough and I saw a stat. I think that uh, is the first host country to, uh, you know, this is the the least, you know, furthest that a host country has ever made it. So, you know, not not a good showing as a, as the host country. I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure what what they're expecting. I mean, Qatar is not known as one of the you know soccer powers of the of the world, but uh, you know, thought maybe in front of their own home, you know, home crowd, they might you know show a little bit better, but mm-hmm. not not the case. But uh, you know, Group B, um, like like Dad said, this is the USA group. Uh, England taking the top spot there in, in Group B, and then USA coming there, coming there in second place. Um, group C, Argentina uh, mm-hmm. takes the top spot, and then uh, Poland, the, the second team there in in that in that group. Uh, group D, uh, France, who you know won the World Cup the last you know the last time they played, mm-hmm. uh, first place in in Group D, and then Australia, Australia mm-hmm. at, at second. Um, Group E, which I think a little bit surprising, um, Japan taking the top spot in in that group, and uh, Spain coming in at, at second place, and Germany, the team you know a, a team that's you know ranked pretty high up there in the in the World Cup rankings, actually knocked out in group play, yeah. uh, didn't didn't make it out of their group. Um, mm-hmm. Group F, um, another another kind of surprise group. Uh, Morocco going to be the number one team coming out of there, and uh, Croatia, the number two team. The Belgian team, which is actually ranked number two in the in the world, uh, didn't make it out of group play. So wow. another another big powerhouse that that went down. Uh, group G, um, which Group G and Group H are still to be determined. They they have a couple of games um tomorrow uh but we that, already know brazil's making yeah it but out. we already know brazil is going to make it and as it stands now um <clears throat> switzerland is is the number two team in that in that group um but like i said subject change you know depending on what happens tomorrow mm-hmm. um and then the final group group h another you know another group that can can fluctuate but uh to my knowledge i believe portugal will advance you know whether they're the you know one or two but mm-hmm. right now they're they're the first you know team there and then uh, South Korea, the the uh, team in, in second in, okay. in that in that group. So yeah, it's it's really been a good World Cup so far, though. A lot a lot of you know contested matchups and right. Close I, games I think a lot of big surprise, like I said, you know, going through those groupings, mm-hmm. a lot of big powerhouses, you know, getting yeah. knocked out in group play yeah. that yeah. weren't you know weren't expecting that. But you know, I, I think that you know somewhat leaves the field a little bit wide open. Obviously, there's still a lot of you know top teams still Brazil, in there. Brazil, obviously, still the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, yeah. you, you, gotta, you gotta love the sportsmanship of all of this too. You got you got countries that you know aren't known for for being friends per se right. politically, but you got U.S. and Iran, and you right. know, U.S. after Iran lost, you mm-hmm. know they're consoling the players. Right. And, yeah. You know, ha- having a nice moment there. It's, it's good to see that 
we can all get along. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Can come together for, you know, bring people together. Right. Um, And then, you know, just real quick before we move on to kind of the next, you know, next topic here, I just kind of wanted to run through, you know, as they stand now, um, what the, what the, you know, round of 16, you know, 16 teams would look like if it were to start start today so you know as dad you know said the netherlands you know versus the usa it'll be the first game of the of the you know knockout stage um that'll actually be on saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning over december 3rd starts december 3rd yep. knockout round yep. yeah yep. um so uh december 3rd 10 a.m over on on fox so people will be up early to to get that you know get that fix in before you know college football starts or yeah. whatever um then you got uh Argentina versus Australia as another game. Uh, France versus that should be a good one, I think. Yeah, that Argentina Australia matchup should be should be a, a really good another. Matchup, you know, right? Argentina another team that's you know one of the top you know top mm-hmm. teams or Vegas had them as one of the the, the top teams to to take home the the, mm-hmm. the championship. Um, the other you know then moving on to the next day you know Sunday we got France and, and Poland squaring off against each other. Uh, England and, and Senegal. Uh, then uh, moving to Monday, you got Japan versus Croatia, Brazil versus South Korea, and then finally the last, you know, last uh, couple games for for knockout stage in the round of 16 on Tuesday, you got Morocco versus Spain, and then Portugal versus Switzerland. And okay. like I said, those last couple of games are, are subject to change depending on what what happens tomorrow. Right. But uh, yeah, I think you know, obviously, I think some some of the top or you know powerhouses have a little bit maybe easier schedule but you know like i said get to this round anything is possible yeah, it's, it's right. winner go home yeah, at this high, point you know? yeah, yeah so i right, think right. and sometimes it can come down to just you know one goal is all it takes yeah. sometimes so yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah it's been been good so far and you know we'll see uh you know if the usa can keep that magic you know going and and you know advance a little bit further into this thing <clears throat> all right very good well now on to some nba news uh we kind of it's what we're about a quarter of the way through the season so we kind of picked it or what i did i guess was Picked a team that, you know, kind of surprised me. I thought was hot. Um, a team that has disappointed me so far this season. And then uh, I kind of picked my way too early MVP. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I guess uh, I'll get this thing started. Um, I think it'd be real easy to look at the standings and, and pick Boston mm-hmm. as your, you know, surprise team. Um, you know, they, they do have the best record. They're 17 and four. They've already had a nine game win streak this year. Um, and doing this all with an interim coach. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I look past the numbers just a little bit because their wins have been against teams that only have a win percentage of 46%. Mm-hmm. And their losses are against teams that have a 54% mm-hmm. win percentage. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I looked a little bit deeper into into that. So, and I went with the third team that's sitting in third, and that's the Pelicans. Mm, okay. Um, you know, coming off of a – 36 and 46 season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they started this season so far 12 and eight um, playing, playing good ball, you know, Zion at this point, you know, cross your fingers is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Valakunas is crashing the boards, nine boards a game, three of them off offensive. They're shooting uh, a team percentage of 48%, which is good for fifth in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um they're fifth in the NBA in three-point percentage, and uh, that's up over four and a half points from last year, where they were 26 in three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously they're not doing it all with Zion, but I think before I go on, I'll let you guys tell me who you think your surprise team or who's hot right now. Yeah, look, look at this. The surprise to me, I got to go with the Utah Jazz. This mm-hmm. team in the offseason was dismantled. They traded away Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. It sure looked like they were just going to be in full-on rebuild mode, you know, mm-hmm. trying to go for worst and get a, get a great draft pick. But yeah. instead, they're 13-11, and 11 and they're, they're in a hunt for the playoffs. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. this team's playing good ball for mm-hmm. a team that, nobody thought was going to be anywhere right. near the top of the pack. Right. right. Yeah, Very absolutely. Good. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, my most surprising team, maybe a, a hometown team here. I got the, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah, here. On my list. Absolutely. They, they, uh, you know, 14 and eight currently they're, they're second in their division only behind, you know, the Milwaukee bucks who, you know, we'll, we'll talk about her, you know, are, are a good team in the NBA and, but they got the fifth best record overall in the, in the, you know, entire NBA. So, you know, for me, I look at, you know, their record at home, they're, they're nine and one at home. So, you know, they're obviously playing good ball you know, at, at home, at home. Court, yeah. but you know, another thing is they're, they're 12 and four against other, you know, Eastern conference opponents, which, you know, 
obviously those are the teams they're going to be somewhat matching up against in the playoffs or, you know, whatever. So I think that, that that's a good trend to, to have. And um, I kind of looked at their upcoming schedule here. Um, they, they play four of their next five games. They play against teams that have a losing record. So they, you know, have a, have a good stretch here where they could, you know, increase that win total and, 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 you know, really shoot themselves up the, up the standings. Um, but, Overall, you know, for, for me, I think it's the Cavs on the defensive uh, side of the side of the ball that, that is really getting it done for them. You know, I was looking looking at the stats. They're, they're only giving up 106 points a game, which, you know, seems like a lot. But for NBA terms, that, that's not a ton. Um, it's you know, and it's good for first in the NBA. They're giving up the least amount of points per game in, in the entire entire NBA. So I think that's a, you know, a good trend to have. And, you know, you didn't know what you're, you know, obviously they have a very young core. They made that trade or, you know, were able to get Donovan Mitchell and he's fit right in, in, into that, you know, into Cleveland up there and has been, you know, a superstar. And I look to him for him to be, you know, a leader in that, in that locker room for that, for that young core that, that mm-hmm. Cleveland has. So, you know, I, I think they got, you know, a good team and hopefully they can keep it, keep it going. Obviously we're, we're pretty early into the season, but uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the Cavs have a good, a good enough core and, and, and a veteran now with, with Donovan Mitchell to, you know, sustain this and keep, keep things going. <clears throat> All right. Very good. All right. My most disappointing team or somebody else want to go first on this. All right, I'll throw one yeah. out here. Right. With the, the Chicago Bulls, this is a team a year ago that at this time, they, they were one of the best teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They were kind of running away with the East there for right. a while. Right. And, you know, towards the end of last year, they really started trending downward and it, it translated clear over into this year. They yeah. started the season off nine and 12. And if they keep this up, they're not even going to make the playoffs this year. There's a lot of talk that, you know, the, the coach that just signed a new extension there in Billy Donovan, yeah. they may be Giving trying to ship axe. him out yeah. the door. Right. So, oh you know, they, they got to get the ship righted quick and, and try to turn things around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my most disappointing team and, and uh, at, you know, one that I'm a little bit, you know, surprised at, and that, that's the Minnesota Timberwolves currently sitting mm-hmm. at, at 500. They're, they're 11 and 11 third in their in their division but kind of middle of the road 17th currently in the in the overall NBA rankings um I think that the last time I checked they're just inside of the like the playoff I think they're the 10th seed as it as it is um mm-hmm. since you know they have that play in you know play in games now for for the NBA playoffs so they would be the last team in you know currently but you know like I said we got a long ways to go but for me I think it's it's you know I talk about Cleveland's deep you know playing so well on the defensive end it it's Minnesota's defense that's really, you know, hindering them and, and, and a team I didn't think would be be the case, you know, adding Rudy Gobert, who's, you know, known as, you know, a big man that that, uh, you know, defends the pain and, and a guy right. that, you know, uh, is known for and, doing that, yeah. that dirty work or whatever. And I, I thought that would really be a nice compliment mm-hmm. to, to Carl Anthony Towns that, you know. Mm-hmm he wouldn't have to go through the ringer or have to try to, you know, be that, that kind of guy. It kind of takes a lot of the load off both of ends of the floor. Right. And, yeah. um, but it's just not the case. I mean, they're giving up a, over 115 points a game. Um, they, they are turning the ball over like crazy, almost 16 turnovers a game. Um, and, and I think the, the one stat on, on the defensive thing that, that really shocks me is they're, they're giving up, um, almost 12, a little over 12 offensive rebounds to their, to their opponent with, wow. with two big men, like, you know, Anthony Towns and, and Rudy Gobert, you just think that they would somewhat clean up Dolly the glass the or, you know, yeah, yeah, clean up the glass a lot, but has not, has not been the case, but uh, so we'll see if they can, you know, get it turned around. I, I know uh, Anthony Towns is, is out. He's out for four to six weeks. So that's going to be a, a, a big hit to them, but uh, you know, we'll see if they can weather the storm without them. I think they somewhat, dodged a bullet because they were thinking it was worse than what it what it turned out to be they were you know thinking it was possibly going to be season ending you know injury but uh-huh. you know dodged a bullet you know only out you know about a month month and a half so right, right. we'll see if they can somewhat weather the storm while he's while he's out but yeah that's going to be a big a big hit to them you know i wonder if it's kind of part of the problem there in minnesota they they went big mm-hmm. and and most teams are in the, the run and gun small ball right you know, I, I wonder if that makes them a little bit slower. And right. And I of... think I think you are seeing that as, you know, looking at, you know, interesting stat. They're only shooting about 32 percent from the three point line, which is like towards the I mean, they're like 26th or something like that in the in the NBA. So towards the bottom third of the of the league, um, you know, when it comes to three point percentage. So just not surrounding those big men with with shooters, because right. that, that's typically what you want. If you got, you know, a couple of bigs, you want to surround them with some shooters that yeah. 
when they get doubled down, you know, on the block, they can kick it out and, you know, knock down some, some open threes, but has not been the case for Minnesota. All right. Well, I got the boys in purple and gold mm. the Lakers. Right. I mean, we talked about it last year. We talked about it already this year when mm-hmm. we were talking about the salary cap issue, mm-hmm. how I think they're what number two in their uh, salary behind Golden State, mm-hmm. and they still aren't getting the bugs worked out of this right. thing. They're they're seven and twelve. They're sixteenth in, in points scored in the league, mm-hmm. which puts them in the bottom half. Mm-hmm. They're eighteenth in field goal percentage, twenty mm-hmm. fifth in point differential. <laughs> and 20th in points allowed so mm, yeah. they're not playing good on either end of the floor right, right. so you know to me they've already had a five game losing streak this season so mm-hmm. i just and I, I don't i don't see it changing i don't i don't yeah, know I what it's going to take to get this i think it's clean house i think it's yard sale time yeah personally yeah. but uh yeah we'll see going forward all right mvp my early mvp pick is your boy luca <laughs> Uh, the guy is tearing it up, leading the league in points, 33 and a half points a game. Mm-hmm. Fourth in assists at 8.6. Yep. 21st in rebounds at mm-hmm. 8.8. Right. And fourth in steals at 1.8. So mm-hmm. right now, I mean, if he keeps this up, he's he's got this thing in the bag. Even yeah. though the Mavs aren't playing all that great. Right. I mean, you can't overlook those numbers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's incredible numbers from yeah. a guy. Yeah, absolutely. I I I gotta agree. And all the all the stats you named, I pretty much had all had all the same same stats. The only one I will throw in there, he's also leading the league in minutes played per game. So not only is he, you know, putting those numbers up, but he's also doing it. You know, being out there on the floor and, and staying out there on on the floor How, for his in team. In a seventy-two game season, you know, eighty-two, that, eighty-two game, eighty-two game yeah. season. Yeah, you we'll wonder, see see how that yeah, how long that can last, or you know whatnot. Right. But yeah, I think the only knock that you can have on the Mavs right now is they're you know five hundred right now, right. you know, sitting you know pretty pretty bottom of the of the league. That would be the only knock that mm-hmm. usually MVP you want to from a team that's, that's playing well as well. So how can you say with those numbers that he's not the most? Yeah. I mean, obviously I think, I think if you, you know, take him off that team, they're probably they're a heck awful. of, they're a heck of a lot worse, but you know, I think that's, that's the only knock you can put on there. If, if you're comparing, you know, guys, so, so I guess the problem is he, he's been putting up numbers similar to this for the last three years and mm-hmm. hasn't, hasn't really got it. sniffed the MVP right. vote. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they always talk about him, but mm-hmm. when it comes time for voting, he ends up, Third yeah, I mean, what are they awarding? Like I said, it's, it's usually the, you're the best player to, on the best team, right? And that, that's why I've got Jason Tatum right yep. now. He, yep. He's yeah. scoring thirty he's points a game yep. and yeah. playing great ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's it up. Celtics no are no doubt best team in, in NBA right now, and you know, trying to look to get that title after you know being the runner up last year. Mm. We'll see see what. Yeah, they well, do. why haven't they just named uh, you know named the, their. Uh, yeah, Joe Missoula, the, the, the coach. head coach. Yeah. Know. At this point, I mean, yeah, you got to say this guy's off to a better start yeah, than than what you know yeah. the actual head coach was last year. I mean, obviously the Celtics turned around the second half of the season, but right. the Celtics so far, I mean, they look like the same team or you know even better team maybe than they were last year. And, 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 Just take the interim label off and make the guy your coach. Yeah, you know? I think yeah, obviously there was some talks about you know him being the next Nets head coach. I mean, obviously the Celtics are willing to somewhat part with them or you know not entirely sold on on the you know the guy being their head coach you know because of all the off the court issues or whatever but so yeah i I don't know why they don't just you know make Mm -hmm. it an official thing but who knows we'll we'll see what happens all right on to college football we got three different oh oh we're before we take before we go into that we're going to take our commercial break sorry about that folks a little mix up on my part but uh stick with us we'll be right back This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. Now on to some college football news. We're going to start before we get into our recap and our games of the week. Uh, The coaching carousel has started. Uh, First out of the shoot, um, Nebraska names their new head guy, Matt Rule. you know, he's, he's been around, uh, was around the collegiate ranks for a while before he made a jump to the 
to the NFL um, was at Temple first, where yep. he compiled a record of 28 and 23. His first year there, they went two and 10. Mm. His last, his fourth year, his last year there, they went 10 and three. Mm. Same, kind of did the same thing at Baylor. Came over to Baylor his first year there, they were one and 11. In his third year, his last year, they went 11 and three. So mm. Nebraska signed the 47 year old to a eight year, 74 million, mm. 90% guaranteed. Um, yeah, I was surprised Nebraska spent this kind of money on mm. a coach, really. Um, you know, they, they plucked him from the NFL, and uh, we'll see if he has better luck going back going back to the amateur ranks here. Yeah, you know, as ballyhooed as he is, and it, as much as everybody kind of wanted him, I, you, you look at his overall record and is he really worth it? He's 47 and 43 combined between Temple and Baylor. And mm-hmm. he's only one and two in bowl games. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he's, he's done a decent job of turning teams around, but he, he's not the savior either. I mean, I, I guess if all Nebraska is looking to do is just get back in the picture of things, then, yeah. then maybe this is a good hiring, but I, it's I better than what they've done in recent yeah. years. That's right. for sure. Yeah. They, uh, you know, when you, you know, he's coming back into the big 10 here where, you know, obviously we got some good ball teams and, mm-hmm. And more teams coming with, you know, the teams out pack 12 teams coming in and yep. and what have you. So it's only going to get more competitive, yep. I think, not only game wise, but recruiting wise. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's going to be going to be interesting. I, I think it's you know, I think it's a good hire for Nebraska. You know, I think I think Matt rules a, a, a good guy. Good, you know, good coach. Um, I am, you know, a little bit shocked that, you know, eight year, you know, eight year contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. it you know, you just don't see that a lot of time, but I guess they, they, they felt like they yeah, got was, their guy the or, you know, that was... they, they had to go that route to, you know, really secure him because my guess is his ring or, you know, his hat was in, you know, his name was in the running for several different of these opening positions. Um, I mean, it was one of the hottest coaches, you know, a couple of years ago with, with Baylor and, you know, obviously made the jump to the NFL and hindsight's 2020 but that turned out to be probably the worst decision of his of his coaching career and Mm. i mean he even openly admitted it that yeah it it, you know he may have jumped the gun a little bit you know even when he 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 said even when he interviewed with the panthers he didn't really feel like he was a fit there that it was really for him or you know that Mm -hmm. that he should have made the jump but you know just got maybe a little bit trigger happy or you know whatever the, the case might be and you know yeah it turned out to be you know not not such a great decision and you know didn't didn't end well there in, in Carolina but I think now he's back in the collegiate ranks where I think you know he's he's back in his bread and butter if you if you will um you know obviously coached it coached at Baylor you know kind of one of those midwesterner you know southwestern you know kind of kind of team so he's familiar with the area Nebraska being you know somewhat out you know out there somewhat familiar with that territory as far as you know recruiting goes and whatnot so It'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, turn around, you know, turn him around Nebraska. Um, you know, not only is, is Nebraska bringing in him as the head coach, but they also plucked uh, Marcus Satterfield, um, mm-hmm. which is the former South Carolina offensive coordinator um, or, or current offensive coordinator for South Carolina. Um, but he's been with Matt Rule at all three of his stops um, at Temple, at Baylor and um, at Carolina, kind of as his offensive, you know, guru or offensive, okay. you know, personnel. So. I think that that helps bringing in, you know, familiarity with that, with the coaching staff. So I think that, and and I think that's the big knock with, you know, with the, with Nebraska is, is trying to turn around that, that offense a little bit and get the most out of, you know, the talent that they have. So. All right. Um, next one was uh, Auburn hired a uh, 53 year old Hugh freeze. Um, he's guy that's been around the league a little bit, six year, 39 million. Didn't get the, didn't get the money that Matt rule got, but, you know, he, he's got a good head coaching record, 74, what, 74 and 47 overall. Mm-hmm. But the, the part that scares me is um, the, the where he had good records were small schools. Mm-hmm. Um, when he when he coached at Ole Miss, he was only 10 and 25. Mm. So, you know, and he, you know, he's taken over an Auburn program that, you know, obviously you're expected to win, Yeah, you know, to, expected to compete against some of the elite teams in college football. So, mm-hmm. you know, if he couldn't do it at Ole Miss, I'm, I, you know, he did it at Arkansas State. He was able to do it at Liberty. He was able to do it at Lambeth. But, uh, you know, he, he couldn't do it at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that, that's kind of my knock on him right there. I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, 
that Auburn went this route, tell you the truth. Yeah, you know, looking in the SEC, though, he's got a 2-3 and three record against Nick Saban. I know he's yep. probably one of the few coaches in the SEC who can say he's beat Saban a couple of times. Right. So, yeah. you know, if he can parlay that into a few more wins against Alabama, with right. the big Auburn-Alabama rivalry, mm-hmm. then I, I think Auburn's going to get everything they've paid for. Right, yeah. Okay. I think right. it'll, be, it'll be interesting. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, we won't go into too much detail, but, you know, he got fired from Ole Miss due to some, you know, off the field right. issues. Well, Obviously, he was found not guilty by the NCAA. He didn't get a show cause or anything. Right. right. So, right. you know, who knows? I mean, all of the details, or who knows exactly what went down. But obviously, some some questionable things that you know happened under mm-hmm. his reign there. You know, at, at Ole Miss. You know, I hope that you know learned his lesson. We're moving on from that. You know, right. doesn't doesn't happen at Auburn, but it's always somewhat in the back of your mind, or sure. you know, whatnot, or. You know how we how easily we forget you know forget about that, but you know yeah coming in coming into this you know you know Auburn's on their third head coach in the past you know four seasons. I mean yeah. in four seasons they are now on their, their their third different head coach. So and it's just not something that you know you're used to seeing from an Auburn program. That's right. that's one of the blue bloods of you know college football, if you will. Um, so yeah, they definitely needed to make you know make a change. You know Auburn hasn't won an SEC championship since 2013. Um, so we're going a long stage, a long stint here where they're you know they're used to winning. SEC At some point though, you just gotta kind of stick with a guy for yeah. I think more than, you know I, I think maybe this the last coach maybe you know he had some off the field questionable yeah, off the field I issues. Feel like they never really, but I I never really anyway. felt like yeah. they gave him a chance and were never really happy with the hire to begin with. So I, I think he may have gotten a raw deal. I hope that they yeah give Hugh Freeze a couple of years because yeah he he didn't have a great record at Ole Miss, but it seemed like the last couple seasons he was there. That's when he started to see kind of the trend to, to turn it around where he was able to beat Alabama you know back to back years and have right. a decent record at, at Ole Miss. So I think it, it may take a couple of years to get there. So if they can be, you know, somewhat patient, I, I think Auburn can get back. I don't know that they will be you know, a powerhouse or they'll be dominating the SEC, but there will be a contender. The they, they, they will be, you know, in the thick of the, you know, the SEC battle, I, I think. But, yeah, it's going to take, you know, this guy that they that they had only lasted, you know, wasn't even there two, two full seasons. And, and I, to me – you never can get anything going with with right. with two less than two years. You can't that even get your system installed, right? Yeah, that that just seems a little bit too short, and in my opinion. The players that you need, the athletes that you need, to right. run your system. I think I think so. the good the good thing is you know he's starting off his his tenure right, if you will, um, in keeping um, who was the interim coach in, in Cadillac Williams, who was you know if, if you all remember was a dominant running back at Auburn, you know several you know years ago, and. Um, from what I understand, he'll be retained on the staff, you know, with, with Hugh Freeze, okay. you know, didn't, didn't get the head coaching job, but will still be a part of the program and be on the coaching staff. So I think, and, and Auburn fans are Auburn, you know, uh, alum really like, really like Cadillac Williams, yeah. you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy having him and, and, and whatnot. Well, um, I remember so, how that's part of the reason the, uh, the other coach got fired. Mm. He was trying to force Cadillac out. Oh, okay. And the just didn't, didn't like that. Wasn't that having it. Right. right. So that that's good. You know, I think, yeah, Hugh's making the right, you know, right step or at least, you know, step one, checking that box, mm-hmm. you know, keeping him on the staff. I think that's a good, that's a good move. So. Right. Okie dokie. Um, on to something a little closer to home for us. Uh, Cincinnati's head coach uh, got stolen away to Wisconsin. Um, got a, a pretty big deal, I think, for a Wisconsin team to pay a coach, you know, over $7 million a year, seven-year, $50 million, mm-hmm. you know, when their former coach, Paul Chris, was only making right at about $5 million, mm-hmm. I think, a year or so only, I say. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's quite an increase. Um, you know, and I think uh, they're also throwing record num- record money at their program in general. They said they're They've given Luke Fickle like a record level of money for to hire assistants and support staff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know it sounds like they're they're serious about turning that Wisconsin that Wisconsin program around. Uh, he he's had a good a good run in Cincinnati with the Bearcats. Um, you know he he I think the job was too big for him when he was interim coach at OSU. I mm-hmm. don't think he was ready. And just kind of was thrust into it, but, you yeah, know, whatever. Into it, right. you know, went six and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but what in uh, in six years at Cincinnati, he's went fifty-seven and eighteen, I think. Or yep, yep, something like that. So yeah, you know, if he wanted to be in the Big Ten, he, he picked a good spot to be because he's he's in the West where mm-hmm. things are 
a little, little easier to come by. Right? Over, yeah, I, I agree with side, that, Matt. So. But I think, you know, I, I think this was a good hire for Wisconsin. I really do. I like, you know, he's only a 49-year-old guy. I, you know, he's got obviously got a lot of a lot of coaching years ahead of him. So, you know, I think if Wisconsin gives him a shot, he, he will uh, – yeah. He'll turn that program around. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what he can really do against the big boys on a week-in, week-out basis. So, right. I mean, he has been doing it at Cincinnati here right. the, in the last few years. He's put, done great, mm -hmm. put up a great record. And right. It's going to be interesting to see what he can do against the big boys now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think you know, I, I haven't heard or don't don't know, uh, but I, I think maybe a step in the, in the right direction, again, might be retaining who was the interim head coach in, in Jim Leonard, obviously a legend there at, at Wisconsin, you know, had a, a pretty decent career in the in the NFL and, you know, had been on Paul Chris staff for, for a little while being the defensive coordinator and, you know, it never really seemed that Wisconsin's defense was was the issue. They've had, you know, some good defenses or, you know, decent defenses. It's been not being able to have enough offense to, to support that defense. So I think, you know, if Bickle, you know, can, you know, hopefully he re-retains Jim Leonard in, in some sort, you know, on the staff or keeps him around because I think he is a very good defensive mind. I mean, he played the safety position, you know, not only at Wisconsin, but in the NFL, knows the position, knows what it takes, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that would be a, a, a good move, you know, for, for him as, you know, stepping into Wisconsin. Well, um, if anybody can keep him around, it's got to be Luke Fickle. I mean, he was right. in the exact same position at Ohio State. Right. He right, stepped right. in that interim role and then stepped back to being the defensive coordinator. Right. And then parlayed that into this great head coaching career he's got now. Right, so, yeah. I, th I think if anybody can – Give them words of wisdom on, on how to navigate this whole thing. Right. right. Couldn't Absolutely. ask for a better spot to be in. Yeah. So, and I think, I you know, unfortunately for, for Cincinnati, you know, they lose probably, you know, again, one of their, you know, better head coaches that they've had in, in recent memory here. Um, and, and, it, and it comes at a time where, you know, Cincinnati is getting ready to make to make the jump to the Big 12 next mm -hmm. year. So, you know, I look for them to hopefully make a, you know, a splash or, you know, hire somebody harder, uh, yeah. because they, you know, are, are moving to a conference that's going to be, uh, in my opinion, a heck of a lot tougher than mm -hmm. what they've, they've, you know, faced in the uh, American Athletic Conference. So I agree. Um, okay. So uh, last, well, I know you guys got some other stuff, but the last one I had on my list was actually uh, David Shaw stepping down from Stanford. Um, he was, you know, goes clear back to the Harbaugh days at Stanford. He was offensive coordinator under Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. um, he's had a record of 96 and 54. Um, but the last four seasons has been have been disasters. Mm -hmm. He's went 14 and 28, mm -hmm. 10 and 21 in conference play. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if the pressure was there and he, you know, yeah, just, I think it's just trying to. It was a mutual direction. agreement, right. you know, before they said you're out of here. He just said I'm going to step down, or right? Whatever. Yeah, it's nice they did this amicably though, because he did put in a lot of good years he for did. Stanford. Mm -hmm. You know, had a lot of great success there. So right. It, right. It, it it's nice that they didn't put him through the public humiliation of right. you're fired. Mm -hmm. You know, they did this amicably, and right. I, I think I think it was the right move for both sides. It was time to move on. Yeah, I, I think he can go on though to still have a good coaching career somewhere. Right. Else yeah. I, from what I was hearing, I mean, he never said that like this is his last stop or he's done coaching. He just he he needs a break is basically right. what he said. He just mentally, physically drained from you know, I mean, almost you know, twelve seasons as the head coach, but you know, another few seasons being at Stanford and mm -hmm. you know being pretty vital to that program. It just seemed like. He's worn out, you know, just needs a break and before he wants to, you know, find his next, you know, next gig and, and, and you know, whatever team that might be. Um, but, you know, also played at Stanford as a wide receiver uh -huh. back in the back in the 90s. So very familiar with this with this program. And, yeah, I think you can look at look at his career at Stanford as far as, you know, coaching goes. And you can say it, it, it truly is a roller coaster, you know, ride because his first four seasons, they went to three Rose Bowls. They won two of those three Pac-12 titles, and in those first four years, he won Pac-12 Coach of the Year every year. Yeah. But then now you look the last four seasons, it's been pretty much the complete opposite. You know, Stanford has been abysmally so, bad, you know. So and, was this, a, and I'm not throwing shade at anybody, but was was this a uh, standing on third and thought you hit a triple? Yeah. Kind of thing? I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, he inherited, you know, a team from, from Harbaugh that, you know, was obviously on the up and up before he made the jump to the to the NFL. But I think at the same time, I think, you know, it you, maybe the first two seasons, you can maybe say that. But, you know, a couple seasons after that, you're finally somewhat out of that shadow or, you know, you have your guys that you recruited or whatever. Um, I, I think for for him and he hinted at it in his press conference, um, 
that just the, the new college landscape of, of now having this NIL stuff and the transfer portal as it is, it just makes it tough for a program like Stanford to put out year in and year out a, a, a decent football team or, a, you know, and, and Stanford's the no academic standards. Yeah. yeah it's no slack too. when it comes yeah. to, you know, college and, you know, uh, the university standards, you know, like Matt said, so that puts a, you know, another, you know, twist on it that, that some colleges don't necessarily have to have to deal with. Um, he didn't, you know, say that that's fully the reason why he's stepping down, but it, it of course, you know, affects it in, in a right. big way. And, and, and so I think, you're going to see that a lot more often, I think, now with just the way that, that college, you know, sports are, and, you All know, right. especially college football and basketball. We'll see what, uh, you know, what, what happens. But, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, yeah, has, has to step away, and we'll see what, you know, how Stanford, you know, what splash they make to get a, get a new I know, coach. Matt, you had another, something else you wanted to bring yeah, up. Yeah, I had one, and then this will lead into Colton's last one. I had yeah. that Trent Dilfer, they just got hired by UAB. This is his first head coaching job after a 14-year career in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He went on to, after the NFL to coach a high school team, uh, Lipscomb Academy. Mm-hmm. and he, t- he took them to a couple of state titles. So, right. you know, I, I, he did at least get some high school coaching experience, right. but this will be his first big college gig. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wish him well. And, I, I you know, I, I, th- I think they're – hoping to parlay on that same success that uh, old primetime has had. And I think that's a segue into your guy there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for people that may or may not know, obviously Deion, Deion Sanders has been coaching at Jackson state here the last, you know, two or three years and has had success this year. They've gone completely, you know, haven't lost a game. Uh, I think they only lost one game maybe last year. So he's had some good years, obviously with a, with a smaller school, but with that success comes, you know, comes bigger things. And there've been several teams that, have open head coaching positions that have reached out to him to see if he wants to make the jump to a bigger program, um, Colorado being one of those. Yeah. And he's publicly said, you know, they have made me an offer. They, you know, said that they want me as their next head coach. Obviously has not said that he's going or doing or anything, but, and Colorado is not the only school. Um, it's just the only one that he mentioned has, has reached out to him. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what, what he decides to do. Um, you know, has, has had some success, you know, obviously had great success as a player and, you know, all that, but, um, it's, it's had, you know, some success so far in coaching, having, you know, no prior real coaching experience up until this point. Um, so we'll see, uh, you know, see what, what happens if he, you know, decides to make a jump to, to a bigger program and, Right. Um, see what he can do. I think maybe Cincinnati ought to give him a call. Yeah, yeah. something to think about. Right. All right. So uh, moving on to our recap from last week, I think we're all sitting. Matt's still in the lead by uh, one game, and Colton and I are tied right, right behind that. So yep. going into the final week. But this week, uh, our games, the first one, um, I had Tulane and Cincinnati. Um, Tulane wound up getting the best of Cincinnati, scored 27 <laughs> to 24. Very clean game. There was only six penalties total in this whole game, mm-hmm. on, you know, combined, which is pretty incredible. But, you know, unfortunately, Cincinnati got their 32-game home win streak snapped mm-hmm. by by Tulane. Um, and, I, you know, the big the, – really the, the major, to me, watching this game was, uh, you know, they, they backup quarterback Evan, Evan Prater threw a pick and, and Tulane got seven points out of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, I mean – the kid didn't play bad, you know, for coming in, you know, but here was the thing. He was only, he only averaged 3.9 yards per pass. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they weren't obviously, you know, throwing the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, maybe that conservatism came back, you know, to haunt them just a little bit. Yeah. I think that, that for me was the key is that, you know, they're starting, you know, Cincinnati's starting quarterback, Ben Bryant wasn't able to play in this game. I think that was, that was the difference for me in this one. Cincinnati just didn't have enough offense or, you know, enough looks or, you know, uh, creativity on that offensive side of the ball. Tulane got, you know, just enough, you know, out of their, out of their offense to come with the win and, as a result, they'll be playing in the uh, American Athletic Conference Championship, and we'll talk yeah. about that here in a little bit. Yeah, and like you said, it was amazing how clean this game was. Tulane on the on the winning side only had two penalties for a total of ten yards. Right. Right? There's teams that have more than that on one, one, one penalty, one yeah, one drive or whatever. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, all right, going forward, yet Oregon and Oregon State. This was a crazy game. Um, you know, Oregon State wound up pulling it out, 38-34. They scored. Uh, three fourth quarter touchdowns and within five minutes, you know, that just totally, you know, did a total reversal, reversal in yeah. this game. Um, 
one of the problems I saw for Oregon, they, they went for it five times on first on fourth down and they were over yeah. on fourth down. Uh, they only averaged 3.4 yards per rush. And, you know, they, they just really, they got, they got kind of got it handed to them and handed, handed to them in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that needs to go down the rule books as a turnover for the defense. <laughs> you know, they, they, to me, you, you don't see that in the stats anywhere, right. really. You right. know, I mean, because you look at the stats on this thing and you'd think Oregon ran away with this mm-hmm. game. I mean, yeah. they, they dominated every phase. They forced three turnovers of their own against uh, the Oregon State team. So, you know, lo- looking at the stats, you'd say Oregon dominated this mm-hmm. thing. But, you know, yeah. Oregon State did a great job, like you said, holding them on the fourth downs there. And I think that made all the difference. Yeah. I, you know, you guys hit, hit it nail on the head there. And I, I think you could look at this game and say Oregon lost it more than Oregon State won it. Yeah. Um, you know, because if I look at look at it, Oregon gave Oregon State three short fields on three straight drives, and all of those being, you know, in the in the second half, Oregon State converted all three of those short fields into touchdowns mm-hmm. and never threw a single pass, never threw it once on any of those drives, ran the ball every single time. Wow. And, and so that, to me, I don't know if that's, you know, how good Oregon State's offense is or how bad Oregon's defense is um, because the fact that you know what they're going to do and you still can't, can't stop it. it, you know, that that is just, you know, it, it's amazing to me. But, yeah, those that's the difference in this one. You know, three short fields converted all of them into touchdowns. Um, you know, you, you change in, you know, half of that instead of touchdowns, you know, a couple field goals, Oregon still wins this game. So I think right. that, that was the difference for, for me in this one. All right. Next one was uh, Coastal Carolina University against Jane Madison. This wasn't even a game. Uh, Forty-seven to seven. You know they uh, Coastal Carolina had their backup QB in. You know and he came out in the first quarter. He throws a thirty-three-yard touchdown pass. Right. You're thinking, all right, this is you good. Know, be all right. We're, we're gonna hang. We're gonna hang in there. Nah, never scored. That again. was it. That was it. That was it. Yeah. So only averaged two point three yards a rush. So I think you know James Madison knew that this backup QB wasn't going to be, you know, heaving it down the field. So they're stacking the box mm-hmm. and just, just mm-hmm. shut that run game completely off. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll thank Colton for that one. I, I got that one right because of his tip that the, uh, the coastal Carolina quarterback was out. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad I went the other way. Cause that was a dominating win for James Madison. Yeah. I think you got to, you know, as dominant as the offense was, I think you still have to give the hats off to, to the Madison, James Madison defense. They, they only gave up a total of 183 yards, you know, total. We're not talking – While their just, offense gained 502. Right. Uh, yeah. So, it was, yeah, total total domination on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, Coastal Carolina was only 5 of 17 on third downs. That defense forced two turnovers, mm-hmm. had five sacks, and also nine tackles for loss. So just to, you know, both sides of the ball totally dominant for for James Madison, and it you know it showed on the on the scoreboard. Yeah. All right, uh, Notre Dame USC. Um, actually, USC won this pretty handily, 38-27. Caleb Williams had a a solid day. I won't say you know it was one of his best outings, but did did have a solid day, eighteen to twenty two with a touchdown. Um, you know, I think the big thing for USC, they went eight of twelve on third down. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Notre Dame had two turnovers, and you know that against a team that can, you know, sling it like USC mm-hmm. can, those, those turn those turnovers really really come back to haunt you. Yeah, yeah. Notre Dame, like in week one, just showed there's just not not quite enough offense there yeah. on that team this year. I think their defense played commendable, but. Yeah. No. It's just not quite enough there on the offensive side. Yeah, you know, watching a little bit of this game or, you know, quite a bit of this game, it just seemed like, you know, that defense was getting pressure on Caleb Williams, but obviously Couldn't with him there. Yeah, with with him being a mobile quarterback oh, or a guy that can somewhat keep plays alive, it was like their corners were having to defend for three and five seconds. It's like there's not a single team on this planet that can guard for that long. So Notre Dame was getting pressure. They just couldn't get to, he was getting out of the pocket. He was, yeah, like Houdini back there, you know, trying to, trying to actually get him on the ground. So I think that for me was, was the difference, you know, Caleb Williams was able to keep plays alive, find those receivers open down, down the field and, 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 you know, keep drives going and, and turn it into points. All right. Well, we kind of saved the best for last. Yeah. Depends uh, on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, the, the game, Michigan 45, OSU 23. Um, you know, it was a, it was a team that I wasn't used to seeing playing out of Columbus, you know, nine penalties for 91 yards, mm-hmm. um, two turnovers, uh, over one on fourth down, only five of 16 on third down, uh, you know, and I, 
it was oh, it's almost like the roles were flip flopped. We expected that Ohio State team to be the one that were going to have the big plays, and Michigan was going to grind it out. Ohio State ran the ball exceptionally well with mm-hmm. their fifth string running back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they they really looked good. Um, I think those big plays for us. Um, I thought where earlier this seasons or games earlier in the season, you know, it gave us TDs where some of the times we we settled for field goals, mm-hmm. you know, up up through the first part of the season and even in even later in the season, you know, that game against uh, Illinois or uh, Illinois, you just know, a week ago, just a week ago. So mm-hmm. um, I got to ask you one thing, Matt, mm-hmm. the the field goal on fourth and four at the Michigan nine when you were down. 31 to 20. Did you agree with that call? We gave you that. That was the one where we missed our field goal, gave you a short field. Uh, you drove it down to the nine, fourth and four from the nine. So it was and they 21 took, to 30 at the time. 31 to 31 to 20. I mean, yeah. So 31 to 23, that makes it within a touchdown game. And there was yeah, still, I, I mean, because you, 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 you either way line. have to score twice. So I'm, I'm okay with the field goal there because there's plenty of time to go down and score. That right. brings it within one mm-hmm. touchdown, two point conversion. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was the right. At least if you look at the card, that's the right call. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Okay. But, you know, I, this game came down to five big plays for Michigan. I mean, that's 90% of their, their yardage. Right, right. Other right. than that, this was a, a, a close a, game. It was a great game play. Yeah. That first sides. half was – I was – Yeah, it was one of the on best the edge of your, in the On season. the edge of your seat there. And then, you know, the second half. So all, all the all the headlines I keep reading about this was total domination. The, the score looked like that, but I yeah, I, I don't feel way that way closer about this than game. the score yeah. indicated. Obviously, right. but, yeah. But. I think I think if you would have said you know I think at halftime Michigan had what eleven or ten rushing yards. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think if you would have said to any Buckeye fan at that point, Michigan has that many rushing yards, you'd say, "Up, oh, we got this. We there, got this thing in the back. There's no no yeah. problem." But you yeah. know the the second half once again the big plays just killed killed Ohio State. Uh, uh, this is another one. It's the nature of that defense that we brought in with Jim Knowles. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a defense designed to get pressure on the quarterback, but if you don't get there, there's gaping holes. Right, and, absolutely. And that's exactly well, and what think, happened. Mac, and I Mac think Mayer was able to get J- out of Yeah, J.J. Had, it being a genuine dual-threat quarterback, yeah. I think that, that – We, we kind of saw it the week before with a Talea, yeah. Tugga Bailoa, when yeah. he was able to scramble and get around, mm-hmm. things opened up. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, it's, it's the design of this defense. You saw it at Oregon State last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when they get there, it's great. Mm-hmm. When they don't – it's, it can be dangerous. Right. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. All right. Well, okay. So our, we got six games this week. Like I said, it's championship week. The first one, uh, you, it's on Friday night. Um, Utah, number 11, Utah at 9-3 coming into USC or going to Allegiant Stadium, I'm sorry, for the Pac-12 championship. USC, you know, squeaked in there at number four, 11-1. And, and right now, USC is a two-and-a-half point favorite. Yeah, yeah, this one's gonna be gonna be exciting. I think another, you know, obviously, the, and that's his USC's only loss. Yes, was Utah, Utah early, earlier in the season back in October fifteenth, and Utah by a slimmest of margins, right. the smallest margin you could possibly have, won by a single point yeah. by a score of forty three to forty two, and yeah, what what a game that was. And that I was expect amazing. I expect the, the same out of out of this one. I think it's gonna be another high scoring high scoring affair. You know, I think it has to be for Utah to stay. Like right. USC, I think their defense is going to give up points because they've done it somewhat all year. <laughs> um, but Utah, I mean, they're going to have to try to keep pace with with that USC, you know, offense, you know, firepower that they have. Well, if you remember watching that last game, that first half, USC dominated. Yeah. I mean, they pulled out to a big lead. Utah's yeah. defense did come to play yeah. the second half of that game, and mm-hmm. that's really what kind of turned it around for them right. and got them the win. Yeah. So if Utah's defense can put together a, an entire game, game. Yeah. This they, could be a blowout. They, they've got a good shot to, right. to win this thing. Here, but, here, you, you know, my yeah. biggest thing is it's really hard to beat a team twice mm-hmm. in the same season. Yeah. yeah, and I think the way that they beat them because it was Cam Bad, moves, bad Moon Rising that yeah. beat USC. Right. The kid ran for three touchdowns, threw for two touchdowns, and ran for the two-point conversion that gave him the lead with, mm-hmm. what, like 41 right. seconds to yeah, go? Right. Spying him. Yeah, they got – Everything's going to yeah. be on him. And, you know, and USC kind of shot them. So they had, they had 12 penalties for 93 yards. I mean, Caleb Williams had five TDs. But I, I like this USC team. They're a little more battle-tested. You know, they've beat two ranked teams here in the last two weeks mm-hmm. uh, in UCLA and Notre Dame. And um, 
the only win that Utah has against a ranked team it was was against USC. So yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give you my pick. I got the Trojans in this taking the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah I hate to say it because the Buckeyes needed to go the other way, but I, I gotta take USC in this one. Yeah, yeah, I got I got the Trojans as well. I think the the knock for me on Utah is they're one in three uh, on the road this year. So definitely have been a lot better playing at home. There'll be obviously a neutral field, which mm-hmm. again is not, you know, not home, you know, home field advantage. Um, so, and, and I think that defense, yes, they give up points, they give up yards, but USC's, uh, turnover margin is plus 24, which I believe is best in the country. So wow. even though USC gives up a ton of yards and maybe a lot of points, they also get timely turnovers on that on that defense. I think they force Utah into some bad decisions. They get the win, you know, uh, um, in Vegas, and uh, you know, punch their way into the you know the college football playoff. All right, very good. Next one, uh, Kansas State, number ten, coming in at nine and three against uh, the twelve and zero Horn Frogs of TCU, coming in at number three. This is for the Big Twelve Championship, and right now I think Vegas has got the spread at TCU with at only two and a half points, which I was. I was a little surprised. Um, Kansas State this year's two and two against ranked teams. Um, their stats, if you look at their stats, their stats are very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they played earlier in the season a game that uh, TCU pulled out. Kansas State had a twenty-eight to ten lead, mm-hmm. and then uh, TCU ripped off twenty-eight straight. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to get to get that thirty-eight to twenty-eight win. Um, you know, and they. They're, they're a battle-tested team, too. You know, as close as some of their games have been, they beat four ranked teams in a row, you know. Four you guys, straight weeks. Four straight weeks, if you remember. Um, and they've beaten five ranked teams overall. So, I think uh, I think I'm think i going to go with Vegas on this. And I, I got I got the – I got the Horn Frogs from TCU. Sorry, Matt. I, I know. I know you need you, somebody USC or TCU to lose. To I'm not even sh- entirely sold if TCU loses if they're out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's another good question. But right. uh, I, I got to go with the Horn Frogs anyway. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this. You know, TCU scores eight more points per game on the offensive side, but K State gives up five less points on the defense. So mm. something's really going to have to give here. Yep. You know, this was a close matchup last time. I think this is going to be another close one. This is just like the Utah USC game. It's it, not easy to beat a team twice in the mm-hmm. same season. Mm-hmm. I think that gives Kansas State a slight edge here, and I, I guess I'm going to hold out hope that it happens and, and uh, the my, Buckeyes, my Buckeyes sneak, can sneak, sneak in, in there. Yep. The four spot. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, this game will be another neutral site game. They're playing in AT and T Stadium, where the where the Cowboys play um, in Arlington, Texas. So big stage, you know, neutral field. We'll you know see how it how it you know plays out for the teams, but. I like the I like the Horn Frogs in in this one. Uh, I, I think in that first game, you know, Kansas State quarterback, you know, Will Howard uh, was kind of thrust in there somewhat. You know, Adrian Martinez goes down in that game. Will Howard gets thrown in there. Sometimes when you throw backup QBs, it can usually go one of two ways. It either goes really well because the defense just doesn't know what to expect, right. or it goes really bad because you know the offense is just completely you know Absolutely. off their you know off their mark. I think that's, you know, I can, I can play that up a little bit. I think in the, in that first matchup, you know, TCU wasn't really ready for that. They've Will Howard has played, you know, quite a few games, you know, quite a few minutes for, for this, you know, Kansas state. There's a lot of film out there. I think TCU will be ready to go. They get the, they get the win, but I think it'll be another, another close game. I think, I think TCU gets it done here. So. All right. All right. Moving on our uh, last, our next game on the slate. This is, you know, obviously down in the SEC, we got, Number fourteen LSU coming in another nine and three team coming in against an unranked team. Number one Georgia twelve and zero. Vegas has got this at I think seventeen and a half yep. or more. Um, Georgia's defense has only given up eighty yards rushing a game and eleven points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you know as, as well as I think Jaden Daniels has played mm. um, fifteen TDs, two picks, uh, then eleven yards or 11 TDs rushing, averaging 4.7 yards to carry. You know, he's their leading passer and their leading rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just – You're not doing that against They're Georgia. not going to do that against Georgia. That, that You know, they're, they're not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I think, um, I think you know, I got to go with Vegas on this. You know, they, they've held some – they've held some – you know, they, they beat only played two ranked teams all season, but beat them by a combined score of 76 to 16. Right. You yeah. know, only gave up three points to Oregon. So, yep. um, you know, they're averaging 40 points a game. I, I it would be a small miracle. Mm-hmm. If, 
if, yeah. if, if LSU pulls this no, We'll say LSU is coming into this game playing with, with nothing to lose. They're mm-hmm. kind of playing on house money, so right. they can they can gamble a little more, right. you know, just knowing that if they win this thing, they're the SEC champs, mm-hmm. even right. with three losses and right. not what many would consider the best year in the SEC. So, right. you know, I, I think that helps them, but I, I still think this is Georgia's game to lose, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that 17 and a half point spread. I think okay. LSU can keep it a ball game. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another neutral site game, Mercedes Benz stadium where the, Atlanta. where the Falcons, yeah. you know, where the Falcons play in it in Atlanta, Georgia, but you know, dad talked about it, you know, Jaden Daniels for LSU to have any chance in this game, he's going to have to play, you know, another phenomenal game. He is coming into this game, a little banged up dealing with a, you know, an ankle injury, which may limit his mobility, which, I think is not good news if you're an LSU fan because we know how fast and how you know crazy that Georgia defense is. You got to have a quarterback that's somewhat you know able to keep plays alive. He's dealing with an ankle injury that could spell spell disaster for mm-hmm. for LSU. But I think for for me, it's it's Georgia's getting off to fast starts. Looking at the, the stats, they've outscored opponents 101 to 16 in the first quarter. Ooh. I mean, they're off to a great start before you can even blink your eyes. Uh, and then the rest of the way, they just have to rely on that defense to just, you know, keep them in the game and kind of coast, if you will. Uh, you know, on the flip side, the first quarter is LSU's worst quarter. They've given up a total of almost 70 points um, in, in just the first quarter alone. So, it, it, you know, two contrasting styles. You know, I like Georgia to get it done here, here you know, on the, you know, in this in this game. You know, cement themselves again as the as the number one team and have some momentum going into the going into the playoff. All right, very good. Next one, we got another nine and three team in UCLF. UCF uh, ranked twenty second by the committee, going against Tulane for the American Athletic Conference Championship. Tulane's coming in just one game better at ten and two and ranked eighteenth. And Tulane's getting, you know, they're a four point favorite right now. Um, and the winner of this gets to play play a New Year's Day Bowl. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to play for here. <laughs> They played earlier in the season, you know, and UCF got the best of them at 38 to 31. Um, but, you know, UCF's had some puzzling losses. Mm-hmm. They lost to Louisville, only finished up seven and five, lost to East Carolina with seven and five, and Navy that only finished at four and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really a team that, you know, it just, you just don't know who you're going to get when mm-hmm. they show up, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, I like Michael Pratt, that two headed. Monster from Tulane, Michael Pratt, 21 TDs against only four picks. And Ty Joss Spears, almost 1,200 yards rushing and averaging 6.2 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Matt's kind of uh, rationale on this. It's going to be hard, I think, for UCF to beat a team twice in the season. I'm going with the Green Wave. Yep, yeah. I, I agree. Um, this is this will be the only conference game that won't be played at a neutral site. So it will be a home game for, for Tulane. So that, you know, plays into it. You know, could play into it as well. Um, you know, I, I think when they played the first time, I think Tulane had to go on the road against uh, UCF. So, you know, just something to to watch for there. But I think for me, the the key in this one is is the the health of of UCF starting quarterback John Rise Plumley. Um, you know, if you remember in that game the last time they played, he ran for almost 200 yards by himself and mm-hmm. added two rushing touchdowns. He's he had to leave last week's game because of a hamstring injury. I think they have a more than capable backup quarterback to throw in there, but I think that was the big key for them in that game was just how unbelievable they ran the ball, you know, from not only the running back position, but from their quarterback, if they don't have that as, as an option or a wrinkle, this is the, you know, Tulane is the best defense in the AAC. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just tough to do that two you know, two times in a, in a single year. I like Tulane to get their revenge and, and you know set themselves up for for a great bowl game. Yeah, like like you both said, these two teams on paper they're almost identical. Tulane's defense uh, scotch better, mm-hmm. and you know they have that revenge factor on their side. So you know I, I'm going for that with Tulane. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're all four for four so far. Agreed on all of them. No, uh, we we we're different, different on TCU. Kansas State. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Colton and I both both took TCU. That's yeah. right. All right. Now the ACC championship game. But we'll uh, have some dissension here. Yeah, right, maybe, maybe. Um, Clemson coming in at ten and two and a seven and a half point favorite over North Carolina at nine and three. Um, you know, I, this is a game. Will Shipley, he's a beast. You know, fourteen rushing touchdowns, almost six yards of carry. They've beaten three ranked teams. Clemson has. Um, North Carolina's defense is. This is a key for me. They're giving up thirty points a game. Mm. Um, you know, they, and they've not played a ranked team all season. Uh, 
now their freshman quarterback that Drake may he can spin the ball man he he's uh you know 38 touchdowns um or no he's thrown for 3847 yards and you know and he has a QB rating of 83.8 which you know makes him ninth best in the in the in the NCAA so I don't I don't think this is this is a walk away for Clemson but just that that defense giving up that many points a game I just I just don't see I see I see Clemson controlling the tempo a little bit, being able to run the ball, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm going to take the Tigers in this. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you on this. I got I got the Clemson Tigers. I mean, both of these teams are coming in desperately, somewhat needing a win. I mean, Clemson's lost two of their past four games. North Carolina has lost their past two games to you know two games straight. So yeah, both of them you know desperately needing the win to kind of close out the you know the ACC schedule here, but. You know, I, I just think, you know, North Carolina is trending in the, in the wrong direction. I think Clemson is able to somewhat correct the ship usually. Um, you know, North Carolina's, you know, Drake May, is, as well as he has played, you know, the entire season, the past two, you know, the past two games where they've lost, he's only thrown for one touchdown, has two interceptions, and has completed less than 60% of his passes. Mm-hmm. I just don't like that coming into a, a big game against a, a, a defense in Clemson that, you know, has played pretty well at times. I mean, they've, they've had some stinkers as well, but I think that consistently Clemson has, has been, has been a better team all, all season. And I don't trust North Carolina's defense. If this one gets into a shootout, I, I trust Clemson that, that much more. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the Tigers get it done. You know, I guess I'm gonna have to go not so fast. Right. Yeah, UNC's got arguably the best player in the conference and their quarterback, Drake May. He played phenomenal this year. He's been slinging the ball all over the field. Yeah, I know they give up a lot of points, but they score a lot of points. So, it, you know, that's kind of been their MO all year. I, mm-hmm. I think they can score on Clemson. A lot of other teams have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, this Clemson defense isn't what some of these last yeah, few year defenses You're right. Have Clemson been. has good. I just think with Will Shipley, yep. I just think they'll control that tempo mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, that that's a good pick, pick Matt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think Mac Brown needs one it, right it's yeah. been a while since he's really been on the winning side of a conference and <laughs> yep. yeah he's, he's a coach that can get it done he is a big game coach so right. I, yeah. I think people kind of forget that he's there because mm. he's been around so long right right, right. I, I think that can help here yep you're right all right the last game uh sixth game on the on our slate for the big 10 championship purdue coming in at eight and four not ranked coming in against number two michigan wolverines coming in at 12 and 0 and a 16 and a half point favorite um Colton and I are actually we got tickets to this game. We're going we're going out to Lucas Oil again this year to watch this game live. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm more nervous about this Purdue team than I was about Iowa last year. Mm. Um, they can score more points, um, but I will say they've not seen a rushing attack like they are going to see from this Michigan team. Mm-hmm. Even with Blake Corum then making the announcement that he's done for the season, um, obviously. You know, Donovan's healthy. Um, you right. know, when we look at what he did, you know, if that offensive line is opening up big holes like they did against, a, you know, a, a much better Ohio State team um, to get through there. Um, the thing that I look at, a produced di- point differential this year has only been five and a half points. Michigan's 27. Mm. Uh, now, Aiden O'Connell, I will say, you know, he's not afraid, afraid to – you know, Sling. aired out, you know, and we got to give props to him right mm-hmm. now, suffering a, you know, a, a tragic loss in his family. He lost his brother mm-hmm. last week. And, uh, you know, that's tragic. You never want to see that mm-hmm. happen to a young kid, um, you know, to lose. Especially lose. right before, uh, uh, you know, maybe the biggest maybe game of his life. career, right, or, you know, right. whatever. And, you know, I, I hope, I hope that, you know, his family's healing and, you know, that, uh, they're, they're well through all of this. Um, because there are some things that are more more important than sports, right? Um, you know, on the other side of the ball, you got you know JJ, who's only uh, you know thrown two picks um, all season. They, they can spread the ball around. You know, uh, they obviously I don't think have the re- receiving core that OSU had, but you know uh, Cornelius stepped up this week. You got Ronnie Bell. We got three tight ends that we throw to. And then, like I said, that rushing attack. Um, we played two ranked teams all season, beat them by a combined score of 96 to 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got the blue. Yep. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I got Michigan in this one. I think, you know, as much as Purdue has some somewhat balance on that offense, I think Michigan, if they can stop the run game, which they, they've done pretty much all, you know, all season, you know, outside of the, the Ohio State game, they, they pretty much stuffed the run or, you know, stopped the run quite a bit. 
Um, and I think that really puts the pressure on Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, as much as he can, he can sling it around there. You know, I think that just puts a lot of pressure in in a big time game. You know, Purdue obviously making their first appearance ever in the in the Big Ten championship on a big stage. Michigan obviously being there. You know, last year having won it. You know, won it last year. I think that's the the difference. You know, a lot of those players that were on that team last year are still on this team this year. I think that's the difference maker in this one. I, I, I like Michigan to to get it done. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be all Wolverine. Right. But you know, they they do call Purdue the spoiler makers for a reason. Yep. They they do have a tendency to to show up in big Beat games. Big teams, yeah. So you know, I, I think they can make this a football game. But you know, Michigan's too good this year. They're they're playing great football right now. I think they win this one easy. Well, so so with with these final championship week games, if one loses, Georgia, they're still in, right? Yeah, I feel like it. Michigan loses, they're still in. Yeah. Uh, or or does that become a question losing to an unranked? Purdue, I think right? it's got to come into question. Yeah. You lose to an unranked. But you team. can't move the Buckeyes over them, can you? No, I I don't think so. I mean, I, but so they so are they both out then? Nobody yeah, does, does Alabama jump to both of them? Right. Yeah. That's a two loss Alabama though. Right. So I, I think no matter what happens with Michigan, I think they're in. Yeah. TCU, they lose. Are they in? Um, I think they have probably the the best argument because of how many ranked opponents they whether you want to say the Big Twelve is good, not good, whatever. At that time they beat who they beat right. on their schedule. They were all ranked. They have a lot of wins against ranked opponents, but they do take game control in, right. into factor. Right. Yeah. They've had zero control all right. season long. Right. They've had a lot of last-second comeback wins. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the slimmest margin has to be USC at this point. If they lose, they're done. You right. know, no hands down because of where the Pac-12 yeah. sits and not having yeah. as many you know dominant teams or better teams up towards you know up towards the top of the ranking. So, so and then know, the conversation is if, if one of them does lose, is it Ohio State or Alabama? I yeah. think I, it's got to be OSU. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I put, think so. I can't put a two-loss team mm-hmm. in Alabama in over Ohio State. I, I there's just you know call me prejudice for the Big Ten or whatever, but. That, I'm sorry. Well, the, the Buckeyes' two best wins are, are way better than the, the best wins that Alabama right, has. Right. And Alabama's two losses, yeah, they came to ranked teams, but they're two losses. Right. right. Well, and right. I mean, Ohio State's at this point, their only losses. Uh, number two. Number Real two quick, teams. I just got a text from one of our listeners. Cade McNamara is transferring to Iowa. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah he did take Iowa. Transfer Michigan. Yeah, that's all he was talking about. Well, that'll that'll make things a little, little interesting. <laughs> I don't know if that's – I mean, it has to be better for Iowa's I, offense. I, it's an upgrade for Iowa. I mean, I just don't know if they have enough weapons around him to make you know make right. that team. You know, was re- is that really enough. the missing piece? Is right. is just the QB on that offense? I have to say, probably not. But yeah, I think we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's gonna but be yeah. a fun storyline for next it year. Will right? be. Yeah. It will be. All right. Well, that's all we got for you tonight. You know, a lot of great football this weekend. So stay, stay tuned. Uh, you know, we'll be back coming back at you. Excuse me, next week. Yep. So thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cow, Chief Rob Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or you got just a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the on the show, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our different social media uh, platforms. We have an Instagram. Our handle is uh, Fired Up underscore podcast. Or you can find us over on Facebook at Fired Up comma sports podcast. And as always, you can also head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can find all of our past episodes and, you know, just a little bit of information about the show. And you, know, you want to find <clears throat> all of our past episodes and, and, you know, even this episode coming to you uh, tomorrow, uh, you can find us on all the different podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find our show. So appreciate you all listening. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.